Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green, keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. Bonjour, mes amis. Yeah, that story about Quebec City, the restaurant, the grill. <laughs> the grilled cheese restaurant. Grilled cheese outlet. And now the uh, Office de la Langue Francaise is all over them. Grilled cheese. Better stop that. And uh, <laughs> fromage fondue. The restaurant owner says nobody ever comes in here and asks for fromage fondue. They come in and ask for grilled cheese. But you've got to get the bureaucrats something to do. And uh, in Quebec, where the province is in significant financial difficulty, they have to keep these people working. And so they go after grilled cheese. And I understand taking care of and caring about the culture. I get all that. But grilled cheese? Anyway, hope you guys are uh, having a great day. We got our issues resolved. We had a little bit of a technical issue yesterday, as you heard, if you were listening in. And it's all taken care of. We've got the SWAT team on it. Lots coming up on the show today. Uh, teenagers in Nova Scotia have been criminally charged with child pornography charges. 15-year-old girl sent a nude photograph of herself to a 15-year-old boy who sent it to another teen uh, girl who then put it on a social media. And now they're all criminally charged. We're going to be having Rotea Parsons' mother, Leah, on the air with us. And Amanda Todd's mom, Carol. And uh, David Butt. Criminal lawyer and former Crown Attorney and legal advisor to the Kids Internet Safety Alliance, Kinza. That's coming up. We'll look at the story about the all-white nominees for the Oscars. It's got people exorcised again. You know, it's an in-house award ceremony that people have just sort of... Well, it's been... it's It's a great public relations exercise for the movie industry. It's an award for people pretending to be somebody else. Maybe there's something to to this, to the objection. We'll find out. And uh, we will include your phone calls later on in the show. And Paul Levinson is going to be with us, professor of communications and media studies at Fordham University. He's also a great film critic and author of books which have been translated into 16 languages. Ezra Levant's been talking about uh, having communicated with members of the RCMP who have told him, Ezra says, on Rebel Media, that before the end of the month, the RCMP is going to be announcing that uh, that um, as part of the uniform, the RCMP uniform incorporated into it will be the hijab. So we're going to talk about that in the next hour, and I will take your calls, and we'll find out how you, if, if this is in fact is, is happening, we'll find out how you feel about it. Is it... Um, Acknowledging diversity in Canada, or is it an assault on Canadian tradition? Toronto Police, Edmonton Police Forces, they've already had that particular policy in place. Toronto since 2011, Edmonton since 2013. I asked the Toronto Police Service if they could tell me if any officers who are currently uh, serving on the streets, if there are any officers are wearing the hijab. They called me on Friday, said they'd get back to me with an answer by the time we got on the air, but I haven't heard from them. 
But anyway, it's a it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting story to discuss, and they're another one of those issues where some people would say, you know, Roy, you really don't want to talk about that. Yes, I do. I want to talk about this too. National headlines were made by Edmonton school teacher Lyndon Dorval in 2012. He was on this show at that time. And Mr. Dorval, to me, is a great teacher. Cares about his kids. And he was issued a directive by the school principal to no longer give out zeros for any assignment not handed in. Can't give them zeros. Damages self-esteem or whatever the hell they think it happens. So Mr. Dorval said, no, no, no. You don't hand in your work, you don't do your work, you get a zero. And eventually he was reprimanded, then subsequently fired for being a teacher, and a good one, by the bureaucrats. So then the bureaucrats went to court. And on Thursday, the Alberta Court of Appeal sided with Lyndon Dorval. And he joins us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Lyndon... Thank you very much for taking the time. I can only imagine that the last, I think it's been two years, you've been waiting for this Court of Appeal ruling. I can only imagine that that must have been a very difficult time for you. Yeah, it's certainly something I was uh, getting tired of waiting for. But But now it's here, and they've sided with you, as they correctly should have. Let's go back to uh, when, when this all began. When and how, just for to remind people who I'm sure remember your story, but maybe not all of the details, when and how were you first approached about the fact that you gave zeros to students for work not handed in, and was it work not handed in at all, or incomplete work, or work handed in late, and, and how were you told to stop giving zeros? Well, I, I think like a lot of teachers, I had a policy, and, and I gave my students a, a written notice of what my policies were for marking. And it said that if they didn't do something, didn't show up for an exam or didn't turn in an assignment, they would get an, a zero initially. And then it would be up to them to come and see me and get the work replaced. And I would periodically give them a marks printout, which would show if they did have any zeros. Most students didn't. Uh, that it was affecting their mark. And uh, it usually had uh, an effect. They usually started uh, approaching me and, and trying to get stuff in. And then in, uh, well, I think it was about January 2011, the principal announced that uh, we were no longer to give zeros. We were supposed to follow this code system. A number of schools in Edmonton had been following this system already. Um, we were not allowed to give zeros, but to put a, a behavior code in. And our computer system, of course, doesn't recognize letters. So it would just simply, we had that feature all along, that if we decided to just ignore a quiz, we would just put a, a code in. But now we were mandated. We were told we had to do this. And it took quite a while, actually, for them to admit that it was, uh, it was a directive, that it wasn't just a suggestion. So nobody seemed to want to own, and I, I wrote an email to uh, to the staff, the whole staff, asking the administration, like, where was this coming from? Was it coming from superintendent? Was it the principal? And it took over a month to get a final answer that was actually coming from the principal. And then <clears throat> there were supposedly discussions afterwards. The, the principal had claimed all along that there were lots of discussions beforehand with staff, and it turned out in the trial that uh, teachers testified, in fact, that didn't happen. In fact, the parents weren't even informed until well after. They weren't informed, and they weren't informed directly. There was a, uh, a copy of the school policy put on the website in the next fall, which supposedly was communicating with the parents. But when I looked for it, one of the other teachers told me it was there. It took uh, about, th- well, about an hour of searching through our website to actually find a policy. 
So the parents weren't really informed at all. And through this whole process, I had repeatedly asked for proof, some kind of evidence that this system actually worked, because I, I might have uh, been willing to try it if I saw some evidence that it actually benefited students, but there was none. And then we went through a series of, of meetings with the principal over about a year and a half, reprimands and so on, threats to, for discipline, and then finally he recommended I be suspended. How long had you been teaching high school students uh, by that time? Well, it would be 34 years by the time this directive came in. And you weren't a teacher who was having all sorts of problems with administration and discipline issues? No, never had an issue with an administrator ever in my career. And your interest was the students. And well, the, and clearly they understood it because they didn't want to get zeros. Yeah, I, I know that they... Uh, uh, I actually was at the, the ATA building one day and a, and a person caught me in the hallway. She wanted to talk to me in private said that her daughter had been in my class in grade 10 and she had gotten a zero for not handing some in and something in and she said that her daughter never failed to hand anything in for the rest of her high school career. I remember when I spoke with you in 2012 there was a student who'd started a petition in support of you. You had never taught him but if I remember correctly you taught his older brother. That's right. And he came on and he was so supportive of of you and so condemning of the school administration and of the school board and the and, and the students who are lining up to sign this petition supporting you. What about other teachers in the in the school? Did did they get the same treatment or did they just accept what they were told to do as far as no zeros are concerned? Were you on your own? Were you the island? Well, uh, not really. There were we had various levels. Some teachers sort of would talk to me privately and say that they they really supported what I. I was doing, but they, you know, were at the beginning of their career or whatever. They weren't willing to sort of jeopardize their career. Other teachers uh, just sort of got around the regulation by just making up a number, giving a number like 11, 11%, and, they, and many of them told the students up front, when you see an 11% on your report card, that means you actually were getting a zero. Um, so, and other teachers did defy it. Uh, I know there was a department head, although he retired at the end of that first year, he refused to follow the directive. And then another teacher, young teacher, tried the zero approach for a while and then saw what, what was, how it was affecting the kids in a very bad way. So he went back to giving zeros again in defiance. And he was reprimanded, but there was no discipline taken towards him. Let me take a break. We'll come back with Lyndon Dorval. We'll talk more about what happened to him with the uh, school and with the Edmonton Public School Board that went decided to go to court. And guess who pays for that? The taxpayer pays for it. The school board wasn't happy with uh, with the decision that was made by um, uh, another board, that um, the appeals board, that sided with Mr. Dorval, said that he was not fired with cause. So the school board decided to go to the appeals court, and those things are never inexpensive. By the time you've dragged out a couple of years in court with lawyers and judges and court time and everything else, you're around a million bucks very quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if the end total turns out to be around a million dollars. cost of the taxpayer because the school board wanted to have its way. Now they say the matter's closed. I guess so. We're going to come back and talk more with Linda Dorval, and then joining us as we go through the hour will be Michael Swagstra, high school teacher in Manitoba. He's the author of What's Wrong with Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them, and he's a big supporter of Mr. Dorval. Stay with us. From hard news to pop culture, he's got you covered. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Hey, I hear the voice of a preacher from the back room. Call him my name and I follow just to find you. 
I'm on Twitter at The Roy Green Show. Emails to Roy at RoyGreenshow.com. Listen back to anything, whatever you choose, and the podcast at RoyGreenshow.com on the web. Linda Norval is with me from Edmonton. Former high school teacher. He's retired now, but uh, he fought a great fight for the kids, for the students. And remember, that's why we go to school, to get an education, not to live up to some inane policy that's been put together by some thought-challenged people. Um, don't want to, uh, we don't want to damage self-esteem, so I better not give a zero. If you don't hand in your work, what do you think, what do you think students think if you don't, if they don't get a zero? Lyndon, what about, um, what about your union? Did you have support from the union? No, they weren't helpful at all at first. In fact, when I, when I was first suspended, I phoned and their member service person told me that I should have listened to the principal. We're allowed, we were allowed to bring someone into the meeting with the superintendent, and uh, I asked them, would they support me? And they say, if they came into the meeting and I turned to them or the superintendent turned to them and asked them what I should have done, they would say that I should have listened to the principal. So I, I said, well, I don't want you there, and I invited a, a colleague who had had a lot of experience with and was a department head, so he came in as my advisor. So, yeah, they were less than helpful at the beginning. They finally, after the termination, they finally stepped in and, and supplied legal support. That was it? Yeah. What were the conditions of your uh, of your firing? Um, they argued in court that they didn't want to give you severance, that it was a, a firing with cause, which the court said, no, it wasn't. Uh, what happened to you? How did they handle that? Uh, well, they gave no, and our school act requires it to give 30 days notice, so they basically sent me a letter saying I was going to be terminated in 30 days, and and that's what happened. So I had to make a quick decision. It was October by then, and, and schools don't hire teachers in October. So I And I had 35 years in, and that was that was sort of a, a thing I thought about at the very beginning. I thought, well, the worst thing that would happen is I would be fired and have to retire. So that's what happened. I decided I had to you know, supply income somehow. My re- income was going to run out in 30 days. So I applied for pension. You weren't allowed onto school property, were you? Yeah, that was one of the conditions. The letter of termination said that I was banned from school property. So then you went to the appeal board, and the appeal board sided with you. Yeah, it's called the board of reference. And yeah, I appealed, and they eventually decided in my favor. And when did you find out that the uh, the Edmonton Public School Board was not going to be satisfied with that uh, board's decision, and they were going to pursue you in uh, with, the, with in the court of appeal, the, the provincial court? Yeah, the uh, judgment came down in August of 2014, and they finally filed uh, an appeal of that, I think, sometime in September, October of 2014. Now, had the judgment from the Alberta Court of Appeal, I admire you so much, had the the judgment from the Alberta Court of Appeal been different, had for whatever reason they decided that the school board would have been the, who, they, who they were going to support? What's the message that would have been sent? What's the what? What kind of chill would have gone through the ranks of teachers in the province of Alberta? Well, the obvious one is that you first of all have to follow any directive, no matter how stupid it is. And secondly, if you speak out, uh, you'll get fired. And when it comes to this uh, zero no zeros policy, is it gone now? Is it is it removed from the school board? Is it history? No, actually, it's probably worse right now because at that time, 
the board had no overall policy, but each school was allowed to decide. And there were a number of schools at that time. When I was terminated, there were still schools that were allowing teachers to give zeros. Uh, the board, they had a lot of public uh, input, of course, negative input about what they were doing. There was an election, and a lot of the trustees were replaced. And they finally came up with a new policy that stated that teachers should make decisions about course of study stuff. Uh, but they hired a new superintendent because they had let the old superintendent go by then. He came in and uh, he came up with a directive or um, administrative regulation, it's called, that told the teachers they weren't allowed to give zeros until they went through a five-step intervention process involving documentation and communication with administrators that they were doing all this. Uh, so this now applies to all the schools in the system. So in many ways, it's actually worse than it was before. So they've learned nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Now, the superintendent, I've been reading a lot about your case, and you know, I, I mean, I've followed what, what's been happening over the last um, four years, close to four years. Um, the superintendent says, according to a story I read, that there was consultation with teachers on this no zeros policy. Teachers who were not named in the story that I saw disagreed. That there was no consultation. Was there? Not that I know. Of course, I was in the school time, but I, I have I play hockey with a bunch of teachers, so I hear a lot of stuff that's going on at different schools. And, and I guess his idea about consultation is the teachers were told this is what's going to happen. No, right. if that's if that's the definition of consultation. Yeah, I guess it occurred. But in fact, uh, I know that teachers were never really their their opinions were never listened to in school. And this is supposed to be the new system is, is supposed to allow each school to have their own policy, even though they have to follow this regulation from the superintendent about not giving zeros. They still can sort of customize their their assessment system school by school, but yeah, there's there's been no consultation at the school level with teachers. So that's absolutely not true. I have to take a break in about 45 seconds, um, and then we'll continue. Trustees could have stepped in along the way and 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 helped you, and helped the students, mm -hmm. and they didn't. No, no, I, that's one of the biggest disappointments is the trustees really didn't and still aren't doing anything to to help. Plus, you were, it was said that teachers are not professionals. Yeah, that was a very shocking statement at this uh, appeal uh, trial. They only allowed each side to talk for 45 minutes in November. Uh, the school board came up with the position that teachers are not professionals. Well, fact, the, uh, one of the justices was, seemed to be quite taken aback and actually made the lawyer repeat it again. That, yeah. that let's, hold on, let's hold on to that thought. We're going to come back with Lyndon Dorval. Tell some more. Here's some more about uh, what has happened over the last years with Mr. Dorval, which culminated with the Court of Appeal decision on Thursday. And we'll add Michael Zwaxter to the conversation, and you can call in at 888-225-8255, 888-225-8255. What do you think? What do you think of this? Where do you stand as far as Mr. Dorval deciding he was not, not going to follow the rule that said no zeros? 888-225-8255. Award-winning broadcaster Roy Green is keeping you company on your weekend. This is The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. If you send your kids to school in the morning, the objective is to have them get an education. The objective is to have them stand in or sit in a classroom with a teacher who's going to give them an education, going to teach them. A dedicated, committed teacher. That's the objective. When the teacher is then compromised by the system, as Lyndon Norval was, and others still are, 
by being told you will not hand out zeros. doesn't matter if the work's not handed in. You don't give zeros. For whatever banal reason they have, probably has to do with that same stupid reason that they put forward social promotion. You'll damage the self-esteem of the kids. Of course you will not. Kids are not stupid. They get it. They understand what's going on. You have every expectation that your kid's going to get an education and that the teacher is not going to be required to engage in some sort of policy that is going to do nothing, nothing to advance the education of the child, the student. 888 is my number. 888 If you're in the Toronto area, 416-870-6400. 416-870-6400. Lyndon Dorval, not teaching anymore. He's retired, but they pushed him out because he would not buckle under, he would not give in, he would not hand in, would not refuse to give zeros, because they told him to. He gave zeros when the work wasn't done, and the kids got it. When I spoke to students in 2012, and they were on Dor- Linda Dorval's side, they weren't on the school principal of the school board side. And then the board takes Mr. Dorval to court, and the taxpayer gets saddled with the court costs and the legal costs. And then they lose, and what does the board say? Okay, the matter's closed. The matter's closed. It's not because it's closed because they understood it was necessary to be closed. It's because the court slammed the door on them. That's why it's closed. The appeals court slammed the door on the board's position. Linda Dorval is still with me. Uh, Michael Zwaxter joins us now, high school teacher in uh, Manitoba. He is um, the author of What's Wrong With Our Schools and How We Can Fix Them. And uh, michaelswaxter.com is his website. That's right, eh, Michael? That's right. What do you make of what happened to Lyndon Dorval? I'm going to get to the calls of 888 in a second. What do you, what do you make of, of what happened to Mr. Dorval? Well, it's a classic case of people in higher positions in education deciding to put uh, the latest education fad and the theories put forward by consultants that are far removed from the, from the classroom to put their theories and their perspectives ahead of common sense of regular teachers. Uh, I remember when Lynn Durnavell's case hit the news, and it was just remarkable that uh, uh, to see uh, the principal and then, of course, the school board entrench itself on this issue. Uh, as you know, I had, uh, shortly after his case came out, I decided to do a bit more research on this uh, these no-zero policies, and uh, the Edmonton School Board had helpfully put uh, some articles online where they make their case for no-zero policies, and so I read through the articles, and all I did was I simply went through, okay, what are the sources that they cite to back up their claims? And I found that their, the, the, their case is built on a house of sand. Like, there is no evidence for no-zero policies. The limited, argue, you know, the limited cases that were cited involved studies that involved tiny numbers of students and that were subjective in nature, there really was no concrete evidence. And so it is very frustrating. It was very frustrating then to see this happen, and it's frustrating now to see that the school board decided to continue to fight up until this time. What's the reality, Michael, in the rest of the country? Uh, it varies. Uh, the way Lyndon described it is, is pretty much right in that there's a lot of jurisdictions that don't officially have no-zero policies, 
but they put in these procedures in place that require teachers to do this checklist of five to ten things that make it almost impossible to actually hand out a zero. Uh, I know that in Newfoundland, uh, the school board there, the English school board, still has a no zero policy officially. However, and this is where it's hopeful, the liberals that won out there, actually one of their campaign planks was to get rid of no zero policies. And of course, they just took power uh, in December. And so hopefully uh, that is something that will change out there. So it, it varies across the country, but it's, it's becoming uh, increasingly common to not have a no zero policy officially, uh, but to make it very difficult for zeros to actually be handed out. One more question before I take some calls. Lyndon, have you had any regrets at all that you made the decision that you made? To, uh, to not go through with a policy, to, to continue to hand out zeros. After everything you experienced, and those times when you were left with your own thoughts about what was going on, was there a time where you thought, maybe I should have just done what they told me to do? No, no, I'd have to say, no, that's never, never crossed my mind. And students, uh, students been in touch with you, or fellow teachers been in touch with you too, since, since Thursday? Yeah, both, uh, yeah. Yeah, and they've been very supportive. Not surprised. Steve's in Winnipeg. Steve, go ahead, please. Hi, hi Roy. Um, hi. It's actually Dave, but... Um, I'm sorry. What I've noticed is I'm in Manitoba, and what I noticed in Alberta is, is the no zero. In Saskatchewan, I noticed uh, recently they tried to bring back standardized tests. That didn't happen, and that's with Brad Wall, who's sort of on our side, I would say. Um, anyway, um, Manitoba here, same thing. They have uh, fuzzy math and all discovery. What I notice is there's a very powerful group of people. I, I went through some people here who are, and they're very, very closely related to the government, who sit on little ad hoc committees that advise school boards, whatever, what to do. And it almost seems like it comes to the end game is we don't want to assess teachers. If we assess the, the students, you know, if we give them zeros, they're fine. If we assess them and say they got a bad mark, that reflects on the teacher. I, you know, I don't know if I'm being a cynic, but it's just seen this pattern. Are you in the education field as well, Dave? I ran for school trustee because I felt the system was very corrupted and politicized. Okay. I had some views on what we should do. In the end, I thought the people in the neighborhood should decide what we're going to do, the people, not me. Okay. okay. Lyndon, uh, uh, Michael, what do you make of what Davis said to us? Lyndon, why don't you... Well, for me, I'd actually <laughs> I disagree a little bit. We, we had, In Alberta, we have a diploma exam. And I know at the grade 12, 12 level, uh, when they got rid of the diploma exam just after I graduated from high school, uh, what happened is marks started being inflated by teachers. And then gradually they got complaints and finally instituted, a, in my day it was 100% of our final mark, they instituted a, a final exam that was worth 50%. And although it's kind of a, uh, an evil that we had to put up with or we used to hold our noses, it was, really was a way of keeping us on track and keeping our marks in line. And in, in originally, it was well-funded. Uh, they would second teachers, high school teachers would go and do the exam and, uh, and so on. And it was a really good exam, and it actually, uh, I thought, was, was quite positive. So I don't really have a problem with standardized testing as long as it's done appropriately. As long as it's done appropriately. At the end of the day, uh, I hate that cliche, I don't know why I used it, but uh, at the end of the process, you want kids to graduate from high school with an ability, with an academic ability to carry on at the university or the college level and be able to work at that level and, pers and, and be successful at that level. But if they don't have the grounding in primary and then secondary school, they're left behind. Eileen is in Rocky Port. Is that right? Rocky Point or what is it? Rocky Ford. Rocky Ford, okay. Uh, Sorry, Eileen, I'm no having problem. trouble reading. <laughs> I just wanted to thank Lyndon very much for um, 
what he's done and what he stands up for. And I just want to kind of carry this one step further. So these students that get zeros and then they go through school, when they get a job, they don't do anything? Are they going to expect to be paid? Well, we've talked to, uh, I mean, we, we've talked to employers who have said on the air they've had to hire remedial tutors in reading and writing and mathematics, fundamental reading, writing, and mathematics skills, because the, 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 when, when the students get to them, they don't have those particular skills. And the joke is, Michael and Lyndon, we've all had this little yuck, and it's not funny. You're at the grocery store. You buy something for 50 cents. You give the cashier a loony. They have to wait for the machine to tell them the change is 50 cents. Well, you know, what we want is we want schools to prepare students. And some students go on to university, some go into the workforce. Uh, I mean, there's different, uh, you know, different destinies that students have. But at the end of the day, we want students to be prepared. And part of being prepared is obviously having a certain level of academic knowledge and a certain level of understanding of basic skills, including reading and math and such, and also the ability to understand the importance of punctuality and deadlines and that sort of thing. And this is one of the reasons why it's important for students to learn that uh, deadlines are there for a reason, uh, that work needs to be submitted by a certain time, and if you don't, then there are consequences, because that's how things work in the real world. That's life. But if you don't do things in real uh, you know, on time, that's a problem. I suspect, Roy, that if you decided to show up for your radio show three or four hours late and say, I'm ready to go, uh, <laughs> I, you probably wouldn't have your show very long, no matter how well you did it after the three or four hours had passed. No, I, I don't think I'd be around for very long. Not at probably all. Not. Lyndon, you, you taught for more than 30 years. Never had a problem. Students loved you. We heard that. This whole incident, the, the entire series of events, the board's approach toward you, the principal's approach toward you, the union's lack of support, the going to court, the whole thing. Has that left you? What's it left you with? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What, what has it left you thinking, feeling, at, you know, with your career now that you're retired? Yeah, well, one of, the, one of the really sad things is I, I had very good administrators through most of my career, and this has really disillusioned me to, when I look at, especially senior administration, how many of them seem to be in their jobs because they want to proceed to a higher level and they're willing to do whatever the higher-up says. In fact, we, we find that now that all the way down to the department head level at, at our high schools, where the new department heads now are, are yes-men and women. They just uh, seem to be there to pass on. In the old days, our department heads would represent us at meetings and, and raise our concerns, and now it's the other way around. All we ever hear in our department meetings is what the administration is telling us. So it's really disillusioned me in terms of, of the way uh, senior administration works, because I always assumed we were on the same page, like we were in the same business of educating students and helping students, and it seems to be there seems to be more of a power trip on their part. Let me take another break. We'll come back with uh, more with Lyndon Dorval and Michael Zwaxter and your calls on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Informative and entertaining. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. Like us on Facebook, The Roy Green Show page, and follow me on Twitter, at The Roy Green Show. just want to read you a couple of things that have come in about uh, Lyndon Dorval. And uh, on Twitter, Reinhardt, I applaud Mr. Dorval for not giving his students zeros. I believe students that already struggle would be emotionally harmed. Let me read you a couple of emails that have arrived. Dave in Calgary, kids need to know that in life there are repercussions. 
Nathan from Calgary. My wife is a, listen to this. My wife is a teacher's aide, and she is told on a regular basis to ensure everyone passes. She has to write for those who cannot, type for those who won't, and help with exams. This is high school. Teachers and aides are powerless. And I get this one from Alan. Hello, Roy. I'm a retired university teacher and dean. I had students challenge scores, but not one ever suggested they shouldn't receive a mark for no work. I wonder how many of those school board members would pay a tradesman who did no work. You didn't appear for my brakes or repair my brakes? No problem. Here's your pat anyway. I don't think so. And then uh, from Darwin, Roy, my brother, was a school principal with Edmonton Public for his career. And he knew Lyndon well. Lyndon would know him too, but I won't mention his name. He emphatically supported Lyndon, although by the time this all happened, my brother was retired. Lyndon is, Lyndon is an example of what a first-class teacher should be. I taught in post-secondary all my life and retired from the position of academic chair. I knew well which students had been carried by the system and those who had been taught by teachers like Lyndon. Kudos to him for being the principled person that he is. Got to feel good to hear that, Lyndon. Yes, yeah, it is. Those are your peers. I mean, in many cases, those are people who, who worked with you and, and, and know you and know what you, what you delivered in the classroom. Yeah, I'd heard, I had heard, I think I know who that person is, and I'd heard from both my former principals at that school, uh, indirectly. They didn't speak to me personally, but indirectly, and they both really supported what I had done. Okay, let's talk to Dennis in Edmonton. Dennis, go ahead, please. Hi there. Uh, Hi. Uh, Dennis here. Um, I'm a retired teacher. Uh, elementary, but not in high school. But the the point of this whole matter has never been publicized. It was all about money. Uh, principals and schools didn't get provincial funding if they didn't get the kids through the courses. If the kids failed out of the courses, the the school didn't get funding for that student at that course. So it's follow the money. It was follow the money, and and I don't disagree with the no zero policy uh well i mean i kind of disagree with the no zero policy but uh that's what it was all about and the other point of it is that principals have an awful lot of power if a principal tells you to do something you are pretty much obliged to follow the policy of the school your boss right that's that's exactly it and mr dorvell did not do that so uh i mean it wasn't about the whole thing wasn't about the no zero policy it was about uh, no zero policy. It was him not following the directive of the principal. Well, there are times you have to act on principle, and that's uh, the other spelling of principle. And, yeah. and Mr. Dorval did exactly that. But, uh, Michael, you know, you and I have said on this program that get them in in grade one, get them out of the last year in high school. In different provinces, it's a different year. Get them in, get them out, get our money. And that's all we're interested in. That may be a cynical point of view, but it's one that is felt and believed by more than a few. It is. And let me just jump in and just briefly respond to what Dennis said in the call, because I want to make a point here. I've read the actual court judgment that was, uh, uh, that was made in Lyndon Dravel's favor, and I would encourage everyone, you know, it's, it's not hard to find in terms of looking it up. I mean, it was available, you know, through links in the media websites. And if you read that judgment, you find this is not at all a clear-cut case of the principal giving a directive and Lyndon just not obeying. This is a case of a directive that was never clearly communicated, that was applied inconsistently, and that was not fairly enforced, and no explanation was given uh, when teachers raised the question. And in that report, the judges said that teachers have every right to expect 
clear reasons and rationale for the things they're told to do. So I, I, when I first heard about this case several years ago and it first came out, I did sort of, the thought did occur to me, boy, you know, yes, I disagree with the policy, but he should have still followed it, even if he didn't agree with it. But you read this analysis in terms of what actually happened. It was not a clear-cut policy. It was applied very inconsistently and unfairly. And that's part of the reason that Lyndon won the case, both at the board, at the board decision in terms of the appeal and then now at the Court of Appeal. And Michael, before you came on, Lyndon, you mentioned to us that you had looked for this particular policy in the board's, um, on the board's website, and it took you an hour to find it. That's right. An hour to find a policy that became a national news story. Andy's in Milton, Ontario. Andy? Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. Yeah, my word is only for nausea of guys, you know. The counting doesn't start from one. Counting starts from zero to hundred. We don't teach them zero, and unless they know the value of zero, how are they going to count hundreds and millions? The second point on self-esteem is not the only factor that zero brings down the self-esteem to zero. There are a lot, lot more factors. Okay, and, uh, Andy, I'm Andy. I have less than a minute. Where? Do, how do you feel about Mr. Norvell's decision? Yeah, it's the uh, he did wonderfully good for the students. All right, Terry. Thank you for the call. Only have thirty seconds left, uh, Lyndon. Congratulations. Um, I hope, I, you know, we shouldn't have to say that, but congratulations, because it is a victory. It's a victory for you. It's a victory for the students. Well, thank you. And all the very best to you going forward. Okay. Michael, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Always. Ryan. Congratulations once again uh, to Lyndon and for standing up on principle on this and for bringing nationwide attention to an issue uh, that needed to be addressed. When he could have just said, okay, I'll do it their way. Linda Norvell, Michael Zwagster on the Roy Green Show on the Cordless Radio Network. Back in a minute, we'll tell you about the next hour.